Well, hello everyone and good morning and welcome to another edition of Live Stream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. We're right here in Akron Alliance Fellowship right now with a, a live group getting settled in and we're going to get settled in with you, our viewers in online with music any day now. It's uh, the official video uh, music from the official video from Vincent Bohannon. So here we go. We appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. God bless you. It's raining outside, but it's warm and cozy in here. Amen. Good morning to my lovely bride as well, too. Good morning. Good morning, Ronnie. Appreciate you being here. Good morning, Anitra. Appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, all right, Ronnie, we'll make a note. Eye surgery Tuesday. We'll make a note. We will be praying for you on that. Morning, Roscoe. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Amen. And the coffee is delicious. Once again, the music is Vincent Bohannon any day now. Him and his orchestra. His huge choir. Good morning, Mr. Gaines. Good morning, Delia. Good morning, Jackie. Everybody's online today. There you go. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Amen. Amen. Jackie, you got your coffee? Yes, you do. I see the cup. Very good. That is a requirement for Sunday school. <laughs> That's a requirement for me for Sunday school. Maybe not for everybody. Chug a lug. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Amen. <laughs> we appreciate you being here this morning. Fifty degrees today. Fifty-three is that much. And next week, this coming week, like wow. Good morning. Angie, good morning. As a reminder for those of you online, I can't always see your names pop up. So I, if, you, if you're online and I didn't acknowledge you, that means I can't see your name. But that's okay. Uh, welcome anyway. Thanks for being here. Sometimes, for whatever reason, my bride can see names I can't see. I don't know why. I don't know why. I think it's a meta thing. I'll just deal with it nonetheless. We appreciate you being here. 
Amen. Hope everyone had a good weekend. It's now time to get into the mode of hearing God speak to us through His uh, the Holy Spirit. I'm pretty sure we played this one before too. It's all good. Good morning. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to everybody online. We appreciate you being here. Fantastic, Lisa. Great news. The prayers of the righteous avail much. They do matter. They do count. We have to have that mindset. Thank you for sharing that. Appreciate that. Just like the song. He's right on time. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to end that there. That's uh, Vincent Bohannon uh, and his orchestra and the choir singing um, right on time. Uh, we appreciate you being here. Um, we have some business to take care of, some announcements to take care of before we get into Sunday school. Uh, we, first of all, want to, again, thank everyone for your ongoing prayers because I think it's important for us to acknowledge that. Prayer does matter, and we want to always, uh, when we fellowship, whether it's online or right here in the church, that we are mindful of prayer, and we want to keep doing that as often as possible and as necessary as possible. And we're supposed to be praying constantly, all day long, um, as we go about our business, but it's also good to have corporate prayer. We're going to have, in a couple of weeks here in church, a uh, kickoff of our prayer ministry within our four walls of the church where people get together and just take some time for a few moments just to pray. And I think it's a good habit to develop, and I think that that's something we're going to continue to do. Today, um, in church, we're going to have our Youth Sunday, I don't know what else to call it, I guess it's a Youth Sunday, uh, where we'll have the youth presenting uh, elements of um, music, the message today as well, and we want to emphasize that it's really, really important to get the young people involved in some aspect of being involved in ministry, whether it's here in the church, but it's something that will also be uh, something that will develop good habits when they are not in church, they'll start talking to people about who Jesus is. That's what we want. We want to encourage that. So we'll have our Youth Sunday today. That will be live online as well, too, uh, on our Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page, the same timeline here. Approximately 11 o'clock is when you'll see it online. So we appreciate you staying, uh, keeping yourself available for that. Um, and we also want to mention, too, that... Um, Later today at 5 o'clock, we will have a concert. Praise team will have a concert that's going to be in church. That will not be an online event. That's strictly in church uh, for those of you in Akron, Ohio. So we look forward to that as well, too. So we've got a full day today. So we're going to pace ourselves and munch. And I've already taken my vitamins. It's all good. We're going to keep doing that. Please remember your tithes and offerings. We appreciate you always giving prayerful consideration to what you're giving and you're, what you're contributing um, as far as the 
fellowship here in the church, the maintenance of the building, all those things that have to take place. We want to make sure that we're always praying about our giving as well, too. If you are not in Akron, if you're in Akron, of course, you can just drop your offerings off here in the uh, the box outside in the lobby area. That's where you do not pay. We do not pass around a collection plate anymore. We just have the drop box in the lobby like we've been doing. We're going to keep doing that. For those of you who are not here, uh, you're going to mail your tithes and offerings if you are uh, convicted to do so to Akron Alliance Fellowship. 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. We appreciate you uh, giving consideration there as well, too. We, we thank you and thank you again for all of your prayers and especially how giving seemed to go up during the COVID moment, uh, which was just incredible, uh, but that's only God doing it and that, that's the way I, where I'm going to leave it because it doesn't bar any additional, doesn't promote any further explanation, frankly. So we'll leave it there. God bless you. We appreciate you being here. We've got a very um, interesting lesson today in for Sunday school. It's in the book of John. We're in John 18, verses 12 through 27. We're going to cover all of those those verses. They go quickly. A lot of it is just setting the scene and stage for what's happening with Jesus at the time of his arrest and what happens shortly afterward. That's John 18, verses 12 through 27. What I want you to think about as we look at um, a subject like this, this is a tough subject to talk about. So we, what we want to recognize, though, is that we look at what happens in this passage and we see people who are, by name, they are taking a stance on one direction as far as who Jesus is, and then, then you're going to see some contrasting behaviors there that don't necessarily fit what was being said before. Of course, that's referring to Peter. And we have to understand that there are high emotions in this situation and there are things that are taking place, but I want you to always remember that we need to always be focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ in our moments of greatness, but also in our moments of weakness. And we'll look at that very closely today as we go through this. So let's go ahead and get started and allow ourselves some time to go through this passage and not rush through it. Um, And we're going to focus on now prayer before the Lord. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you for this time that you have put before us that we indeed can take the time to just relax and let the Spirit speak. Let the Spirit enlighten. Let the Spirit encourage. Let the Spirit chasten. Let the Spirit remind us of the things that You are trying to teach us. We thank You, Lord, for this group here in church. We thank You for everyone who is joining us here online as well, too. Lord, we want to have the mindset to be prayerful and focus on You and Your Word, not just once a day, but at all times. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to teach us today. And we give you praise and thanks in all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. I did want to mention, I, I did mention before earlier, and I apologize, Ronnie, I did say we were going to pray about your eye surgery. We'll do that also offline here too. So just as a reminder. Well, I could pray right now too. Lord, we thank you but for Ronnie. We pray now for her eye surgery. We pray for, on Tuesday. We pray that the doctors will indeed work through the physicians and that you will help them along and make everything successful. And Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I took a, took a nod from my bride to go ahead and just pray anyway. <laughs> That's a good idea. Amen. All right, everybody, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 18. Let's take a look at verses 12 through 27. John chapter 18, verses 12 through 27. Again, this is in the section of the Scripture where Jesus has indeed completed His mission. There's nothing more for Him to do other than go to the cross. And we're going to see the process that leads to that. And in this particular section, Annas is one of the high priests. He's going to be the one who is involved with questioning Jesus. And we're also going to see the first denial of uh, Peter uh, when someone asks about the affiliation. So let's go ahead and read the passage. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. John chapter 18, starting at verse 12. (laughs) And we appreciate you all being here today. Thank you. 
So verse 12, John chapter 18. So the soldiers, their commanding officer, and the temple guards arrested Jesus and tied him up. Verse 13, first they took him to Annas, since he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest at that time. Caiaphas was the one who had told the other Jewish leaders, it's better that one man should die for the people. Verse 15, Simon Peter followed Jesus as did another of the disciples. That other disciple was acquainted with the high priest, so he was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. Peter had to stay outside the gate. Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching at the gate, and she let Peter in. The woman asked Peter, You're not one of that man's disciples, are you? No, he said, I am not. Verse 18, Because it was cold, the household servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire. They stood around it, warming themselves, and Peter stood with them, warming himself. Inside, the high priest began asking Jesus about his followers and what he had been teaching them. Jesus replied, Everyone knows what I teach. I have preached regularly in the synagogues and the temple where the people gather. I have not spoken in secret. Why are you asking me this question? Ask those who heard me. They know what I said. Verse 22, Then one of the temple guards standing nearby slapped Jesus across the face. Is that the way to answer the high priest, he had demanded. Jesus replied, If I have said anything wrong, you must prove it. But if I'm speaking the truth, why are you beating me? Verse 24, Then Annas bound Jesus and sent him to Caiaphas, the high priest. Meanwhile, as Simon Peter was standing by the fire warming himself, they asked him again, You're not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, No, I am not. But one of the household slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? Again, Peter denied it, and immediately a rooster crowed. Okay, John 18, verses 12 through 27. Now, I will point out, too, because we're going to see, um, if you look at different accounts of the Gospels, there are some things that are emphasized more about the response that Peter gives, for example, when he, because all he's saying here is that, and all John is saying here is that Peter denied it, but essentially those are the three denials that we are referring to, we know about in Scripture. But we have to understand that this was also a fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus had told Peter, you were going to deny me three times, then the rooster was going to crow. And so that is something that is also mentioned as well too in Mark, Mark 14.31, John 13.38. This was a fulfillment of prophecy. And it's really a sad story in Peter's, in, in, in Peter's life. Because you have to understand that when you deny Christ, you lose something from that. Now, granted, Peter had a relationship with Jesus and knew who Jesus was. He, he readily knew that Jesus was the Messiah. But now there's a loss that's taking place here where you remember Peter is supposed to be the, the rock of the church. He's supposed to be the foundation of the church. But now we've got a situation where we see that it's such a bitter pill to swallow that Peter, in other accounts, he goes outside and weeps bitterly. He is, he is absolutely crushed because the very thing he said he would not do, he did do. Now, before we're hard on Peter, amen? amen. Before we're hard on Peter, there are a lot of things that we say we're going to do and we don't do them. We'll do the exact opposite. Paul says the same thing in Scripture as well, too. I know what's right to do, but I just, I just don't do it. I choose not to do it. And we have to understand that we all need to come back to how it's important for us to recognize that there are times we're going to be lacking confidence, lacking faith, lacking believing in what God's Word says, and the very thing that we did at the start of this, we put the emphasis on, lacking in prayer. 
Because I can assure you that Peter wasn't praying at this time when he was in the courtyard warming himself. He was bewildered, didn't really know what was happening, didn't know what was going on. And whatever courage he thought he had was obviously gone. It wasn't there anymore. You know what you need to do and yet you can't do it. I want you to take a look at 2 Corinthians 12 because we want to recognize that sometimes it comes down to how even though we might be believers and we sometimes can praise the Lord and get up and be loud about it, there are times we need to just absolutely just stop and humble ourselves before the Lord. 2 Corinthians 12, we're going to read from passages 6 through 10. And the one thing we need to also understand too, when we go before other people, we profess our faith and are believers. But you know what people also need to see in that? That you're a human being. That you need Jesus just as readily as they do. You might have salvation that you can put in your pocket and walk around with, but at the end of the day, you still need Jesus on a regular basis. Let's look at verse 6 in 2 Corinthians 12. And this is Paul speaking. Um, For if I want to boast, I wouldn't be a fool because I would be telling the truth. But I will spare you so that no one can credit me with something beyond what he sees in me or hears from me, especially because of the extraordinary revelations. Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me, that I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. My power is perfected in weakness. And let's finish this up. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now let's be very clear about something. Paul had very special revelations about the presence of Jesus. He was indeed an apostle because Jesus revealed himself to him. So he he had something that a lot of people never would experience. And at the end of the day, a messenger of Satan was given to torment him. Who allowed that? God did. That's the really interesting thing to see here. God allowed this messenger of Satan to torment him because in the mind of the Lord, we'll never know the complete mind of it, but Paul had to be humbled so that he wouldn't think more highly of himself. That was his personality. He had to be humbled. And when when God answers, my grace is sufficient for you, we're not going to take away this thing that's tormenting you. You just need to live with this thing that you've got and devote everything that you have to Jesus, not to yourself. We need to humble ourselves and recognize it's very easy to point fingers at something that Peter has done here. But we need to always come back and say, whoa, hang on a second. Just a moment. Wait a minute. How was your day yesterday? What have you been into over the last week? Who are you trusting more than God right now? And fear was the motivation here. It does undermine loyalty. Fear undermines our faith. Fear is the exact opposite of faith. You do recognize that, right? Fear is the exact opposite of faith. The very thing that we should be doing when we're fearful is praying for God to strengthen our faith. Strengthen our faith. The mustard seed faith. Any kind of faith when there's fear. We should be always talking about, you know, we have trouble believing. Lord, help my unbelief. Borrow the words of Scripture. 
to describe whatever you're feeling. But this is how we need to make sure we're recognizing this situation. So, there's a couple things here. F.B. Meyer makes some very important points here as we look at this passage itself about Peter's failure. First, let us not sleep through the precious moments which heaven affords before each hour of trial, but use them for putting on the full armor of God. What's the full armor of God for? Do we leave it in the corner or do we put it on? Because He wants us just to take a stand. And sometimes in those difficult moments, all it requires is taking a stand. Just standing with the armor of God. Because Satan's going to attack you. How many of you believe Satan attacks all the time? I'm going to double hands up on my end because I readily recognize that. Um, you know your enemy, everybody. Your enemy is active and wants to derail every Christian every pastor, every person who's in authority in the church because people look to those people. It's like knocking down, it's like a bowling ball, knocking down a bunch of pins. If one goes down, all of them go down. F.B. Meyer also tells us not to vaunt our own strength. We need more than just a resolve to sustain us. We know what we need to do, but we need the help of the Holy Spirit. And we need to make sure that we're doing exactly what God wants us to do. We need to make sure that we are obedient to the direction of the Father and not just doing stuff because we think it's right. That's not good enough. So we need to make sure we're caring for ourselves in that manner as well too. Let's go back to the top of the passage because I want to also put some context in what's, what John is describing here in this passage about Jesus when he was arrested. The idea of tying Jesus up is just overkill, first of all. Verse 12, so the soldiers, their commanding officer in the temple guards arrested Jesus and tied him up. They really were trying to treat him as a common criminal. Remember, Jesus had done nothing wrong. Verse 13, first they took him to Annas since he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest at that time. Caiaphas was the one who had told the other Jewish leaders it's better that one man should die for the people. Let me remind you in that verse 14, Caiaphas didn't know what he was saying. That was the Spirit speaking and giving him that information. Now, Caiaphas was not a believer, but the Spirit can give information, provide information even for people who are non-believers to do things. That's the very thing he did with King Cyrus who was a pagan in ordering that Jerusalem would be rebuilt. Cyrus didn't follow God, but Cyrus was used by God. It's the same thing. Anybody who wonders if God is in control, I mean, let's get real. He's in control. And the thing that we really need to be aware of, too, going back to what, what Paul was saying a messenger of Satan was sent to torment me and God allowed it. So yeah, he's in control, so we need to be prayerful about it. But Lord, we don't, I don't need you to send Satan to prompt me. Pray for that, right? I mean, that's what you don't want to do. And understand something. Why was Paul getting this? Because Paul had an elevated way of thinking about himself. And so did Peter for that matter. And sometimes we have to see how God works with those individuals. Mighty for Christ, but boy, sometimes they've got to be put in check a little bit. And Lord, I'm just going to pray out loud. You don't have to do that with me. <laughs> I don't want that kind of treatment. I mean, I, if it happens, it happens. But I'm like, I'm not... I, I, I remind myself over and over again the importance of humbling myself before the Lord because I know I need to. And I don't need to be prompted to do it. I just know I need to. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. Annas was the father-in-law of the high priest. And interestingly enough, Annas was the high priest for that period of time, but Caiaphas would have become a high priest 
And normally it's only a, a position that one person holds, but I guess because they're in the family, I guess they must have done something or made an arrangement eventually for, uh, for both of them to both coexist as high priests, but typically it's just one person. But once you're made a high priest, you're a high priest for life. Um, just like Supreme Court justices, you're, once you're appointed as a Supreme Court justice, you're Supreme Court justice for life. But Annas and Caiaphas had to coexist in that role. And you'll notice too right away as we go through the passage, Annas is like, he asked the questions, but then I don't think he really wanted to deal with this issue <laughs> when we get towards the end of the passage. He asked the question and the guy slaps Jesus and after that you really don't see anything else about Annas. Let's move him on to somebody else. And a few of the people there did that. Verse 15. Oh, let me, let me also get to the context too about why. Okay, verse 15. Simon Peter followed Jesus and did another of the disciples. That other disciple was acquainted with the high priest. So he was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. Peter had to stay outside the gate. Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching at the gate and she let Peter in. Now, who is this other disciple? It's John. John always speaks of himself in third person. He never refers to himself. He just writes this other guy, this other disciple. That's what he does. But John knew a lot of people and John knew Annas, the high priest. Knew who he was. So he had certain permissions. Certain permissions that Peter didn't have. So he's actually able to make an account that none of the other disciples, remember, because the other disciples took off. The only ones that were really present at that point were Peter and John. So we have different information here. And because John was able to speak to the woman at the gate, and obviously he had some pull because he, they knew who he was, Peter was able to get in. That's what it says in verse 16. And then verse 17, the woman asked Peter, you're not one of that man's disciples, are you? How do you like that question? You're not one of those man's disciples, are you? Rather than just asking the question, are you one of that man's disciples? It almost is phrased in such a way where it's like it leads Peter to say no. You're not one of those man's disciples, are you? No, he said, I am not. Well, that was a lie. And understand what is causing the lie. Fear. He's afraid. He's in a place that he's not used to being in. He's in a situation that he's not having comfort with. And let's be clear about something. You know, this conversation that Annas is having and that Caiaphas is talking about, they really didn't care anything about anything, anyone else other than their own political ambitions. They were very much entrenched in those positions. They wanted to save those traditions to keep them. The one thing they did not want to have, and that's why they were doing all this in the cover of darkness, because it's nighttime. Very uncustomary to do something like this at night. You know, Satan works sometimes in darkness. We as believers, we have sometimes a veneer in front of us where everything is great when it's daytime. But at nighttime, watch out. Doing stuff in secret. But all of this is taking place at night. That's why it's cold. That's why they have to build a fire outside in the courtyard. And Peter's there joining the others. And they're doing this at night, recognizing that they had no um, business doing this. They were going to do this. They were going to make these questions and before they took him to the high council... Let's, let's do, me, do me a favor and flip over to Mark chapter 14 because I want to give an account to this as well too. Mark chapter 14. I'm right there. Mark 14. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to pick out the verses because it's kind of a large selection here. I don't want to go too far with it. I'll tell you one second. Uh, let's do verses 53 through 
62. No, nope, 65. 53 to 65. We'll just read the whole thing. 53 to 65. We'll go quickly. This was essentially what was going to happen. He was facing the Sanhedrin. They led Jesus away to the high priest and all the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes assembled. Verse 54, Peter followed him at a distance right into the high priest's courtyards. This is the account of basically what John was reporting as well too. He was sitting with the servants, warming himself by the fire. Verse 55, the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for testimony against Jesus to put him to death. Looking for testimony because he hadn't done anything wrong. Verse 56, for many were giving false testimony against him and the testimonies did not agree. Some stood up and gave false testimony against him, stating, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple made with human hands, and in three days I will build another not made by hands. Yet their testimony did not agree even on this. Verse 60, Then the high priest stood up before them all and questioned Jesus, Don't you have an answer to what these men are testifying against you? Not that it matters. <laughs> That's not in the passage. Sorry about that. But he kept silent, verse 61, and did not answer. Again, the high priest questioned him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Verse 62, I am, said Jesus, and you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Verse 63, Then the high priest tore his robes and said, Why do we still need witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What is your decision? They all condemned him as deserving death. Now, notice that they condemned him of deserving death even though he told the truth. Then some, some began to spit on him, to blindfold him, and to beat him, and saying, Prophesy! The temple servants also took him and slapped him. So, that's just a much more um, detailed account of what was happening with Jesus. And understand that what is, it, what is important for us when we're looking at even how we discipline people in the church? Testimony of two or more has to be the starting point. And under, notice that no two person really, here really agreed when they were trying to make a, an accusation against Jesus. No two people could agree. Automatically, that's a disqualifier. It was only by the words of Jesus that they decided to convict him, and yet Jesus spoke truth. He had done nothing wrong. It's important to see that. We need to also learn a lesson here about making sure that we, in our own way of seeing things. My, my devotion this morning that I actually went through on Abide talked about that very subject. How do you judge others? Are you ready to judge other people because they seem to fall short in certain areas? Or are you, in fact, recognizing that you're just as guilty as they are at any given moment? And not to be harsh in our judgment, but to have more of the attitude of being prayerful and focusing on your own relationship, humbling yourself before God. And that's exactly what we need to do. Humble yourself before the Lord. Remember, Jesus knew exactly what He was going through and what He was going to experience here. Because if he, if he could prophesy about what Peter was going to do, certainly he knew what was going to happen to him. Verse 17, The woman asked Peter, You're not one of that man's disciples, are you? No, he said, I am not. Mm. I'm not. Do we find it convenient sometimes to deny who Jesus is? in our comings and goings because we don't maybe like what's going on around us or maybe we don't, we don't really care for the surroundings or maybe we, the people around us might be hostile to Jesus. You know, there are people hostile to Jesus all the time. You know, there are some things about social media that are wonderful and there are some things about social media that are absolutely horrible. And there are many people on social media that hate God. And so... What do you do? You want to avoid that. You don't want to be in any kind of conversation like that because their minds are made up. I mean, you can go in there and try and make a testimony where well, you shouldn't hate God. God loves you. They don't care. 
They don't care. We as believers in Jesus, we absolutely should reinforce ourselves and gird ourselves up with fellowship on Sunday mornings or Wednesday night or whatever whatever church you're at, whoever you're at, you gird yourself up with fellowship with like-minded believers on Sunday morning. And that includes all of you online as well too. We appreciate you being here because we have to have that mindset as we look at how the world is. We've got to be girded up. Satan is very busy, continues to be busy. He was very active here in this passage. Go back to verse 18. I don't want to lose time here. Time flies when you're having fun. Amen? Amen. Uh, (laughs) Verse 18, Because it was cold, the household servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire. They stood around it, warming themselves, and Peter stood with them, warming himself. I wonder what's going on in the mind of Peter right now. He already lied once. Let's now get to what happened inside Verse 19, inside the high priest began asking Jesus about his followers and what he had been teaching them. Verse 20, Jesus replied, everyone knows what I teach. I have preached regularly in the synagogues and the temple where the people gather. I have not spoken in secret. Now, he's making a point here. If you already know what I've been teaching, I haven't spoken in secret. I've been speaking out loud. What's the purpose of the question? What, you think I'm going to contradict myself? Verse 21, why are you asking me this question? Ask those who heard me. They know what I said. Now, what he's doing is he's putting Annas on the spot a little bit. Because Jesus knows he is going to be convicted of a crime he didn't commit. And remember when I said that Annas, these guys kept passing the buck. They kept passing it, passing Jesus around until finally he went to a place where they went ahead and, um, you know, the, <laughs> the, it was a lot of frustration in this. But this is what Satan does. He causes confusion. They know what I said. And understand something. Where were the disciples in this? It's easy to blame the Romans. These guys, the Romans and the people here in authority, the, uh, the elders, the leaders, blame them, blame them for convicting Jesus. Where were the disciples? They chose not to speak. They deserted Him. They denied Him. They were just as guilty by their inaction And when I looked at this, I said, you know what? That's exactly right. They were just as guilty. We we blame the leaders. We blame the Romans. We should also bear blame with those who were following Jesus that they chose not to speak up. They kept secret their identity of who Jesus was when the pressure got turned up. See, this is what we have to guard against as believers. Because Jesus is giving us this example in the Word about how when the heat gets turned up, sometimes we melt. You know the expression, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. Well... We need to be able to stand the heat. Sometimes you've got to stay in the kitchen. You can't, you, the, the food's not going to just cook by itself. There's stuff you have to do in preparation. We can't stand the heat. We're not going to be effective. And we have to recognize that sometimes this thing about being judgmental of others, it's easy to point the finger at other folks when they're not doing right, but don't excuse yourself. If you point at others, guess what you're doing? You're just redirecting your own sin. Amen? That was a quiet amen for those of you online because nobody really wants to admit something like that, but they do admit it. But sometimes we point fingers at other folks. We don't have any business doing that. And what happens when we do these very things? We need to go to Jesus for forgiveness. 
We need to sometimes get down prostrate on the floor, ask for His healing and forgiveness. Because you know what? Jesus knows that we're going to have these moments of weakness. He is showing us this in Scripture. He is showing us what happens when things get really tough. Not an excuse, but He's showing us, yes, it can happen to you too. Honestly, I don't want to know how I would have responded if I were in the place of where those disciples were. I don't know. But if ten of them ran away, or nine of them ran away, one of them betrayed him, the other two are there right in the midst of his arrest and being questioned, Jesus' arrest and being questioned. Jesus says, they know what I said. Then when the temple guards, verse 22, let's go back to John 18, 22. We're on the home stretch. And when the temple guards standing nearby slapped Jesus across the face, is that the way to answer the high priest, he demanded? Verse 23, very important for us to see this. Jesus replied, if I said anything wrong, you must prove it. You must prove it. But if I'm speaking the truth, why are you beating me? Prove that I said something wrong. And sometimes when we are talking to other people about who Jesus is, you know what? We can have this conversation, but my faith tells me I'm correct. You're welcome to go and prove me wrong. philosophical argument that sometimes people make about there are so many different ways to come to Jesus Christ. There are so many different ways you can go see Jesus. You don't need to do that. We've heard celebrities say it. I'm not mentioning any names. It just dredges up basically old bones that we don't need to dredge up. But the bottom line is there's a general philosophy that there's more than one way to get to heaven. And you know what? That's lazy. It's pointed out to me that that's lazy. It's very convenient to say there are several ways to do it. You know why? Because you can't make a commitment to one thing. You can't make a commitment to one thing. You can't make a commitment and say Jesus is the only way. When all the other ways you're talking about, there's nothing to substantiate it. There's no way that you can prove it. And yet, it's just lazy. You don't want to make a commitment to Jesus. You don't want to make a commitment to the Lord. You don't want to do what is essentially necessary for your own salvation. So you'd rather just take a pass and say, well, you know, hey, everything is cool. Everything is whatever. Everything is everything. Yeah, don't keep saying that. Because <laughs> everything is not everything. <laughs> we need to make sure that we're recognizing that when you hear those arguments, you're just talking to somebody who doesn't want to make a commitment to Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Except through me. Very clear. John 14, 6. There's no ambiguity about Jesus' statements. That's why Jesus is saying, if I said anything wrong, prove it. Let's finish up. Verse 24. Then Annas bound Jesus and sent him to Caiaphas. That's in, uh, yeah, back in John 18:24. The high priest. Caiaphas, his uh, father-in-law. Another high priest. <laughs> Verse 25. Meanwhile, as Simon Peter was standing by the fire warming himself, they asked him again, You're not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, No, I am not. So fear has gotten a hold of Peter. Simon Peter. Verse 26, But one of the household slaves of the high priest, note who is asking the question, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, <laughs> now we're getting down to the nitty gritty, asked, didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? Now wait a minute. He was right there. He's going to say again, Peter denied it. Oh, man. Peter was just terrified. He was not making sense. 
Guess what, everybody? There are moments when we don't make sense. We're defying all logic. I don't care the whole world to see you doing something. And you're going to say, I wasn't there. That wasn't me. That was somebody else. And verse 27, again, Peter denied it and immediately a rooster crowed. You, immediately. Wasn't ambiguous. You better believe he heard it. Peter heard it. And it's really a shame to see how one who was so mighty, who was the one that when everybody was asking, you know, when Jesus was asking all the disciples, who do you think I am? Peter is the one that came out and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. How the mighty will fall when they deny. What we'll see in future future lesson, because we have to stop here, of course, we'll see how the restoration of Simon Peter takes place. And the very interesting reference to how Jesus refers to Peter as by his real name, Simon. Peter is, remember, an added name. Petrus, rock. The rock, the foundation of the church. But when he's being restored, he calls him Simon, son of Jonah. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? So we'll have to see that take place. But this is a good way to be prayerful and remind remind ourselves We have to sustain ourselves at times of conflict. We have to strengthen ourselves at times of difficulty. We have to rely upon the Holy Spirit to help us through those moments and let our faith overcome our fear. Our faith has to prevail. Humble yourself before the Lord. He will exalt you. That's a promise that He keeps. He keeps His promises. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this time. And just going over Your Word, Lord, and just seeing how we indeed are vulnerable. We need Your help to be able to endure a lot of the things that are taking place. Thank You, Lord, for Your presence. Thank You for helping us to endure. Thank You for Your peace. Thank You for Your teaching. And thank You for Your encouragement. We are grateful that You indeed are a God who says over and over in Scripture, You never leave us. You never forsake us. Lord, we don't know what we could do without You. We thank You for those reminders. Bless us now, Lord. We give You thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We appreciate You being here for this edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Stay tuned online around 11 o'clock for our live version of church. We appreciate you being here. God bless you, and we hope to catch up with you next week. Take care of yourselves. God bless. We'll see you next time.